Bow our heads for prayer. Father in heaven, as we journey through this Advent season, we pray that you would help us by the power of your spirit to listen to your word, to listen to the words of your prophet. Lord, help us to prepare in heart, in mind, and spirit, to prepare with actions, with deeds, and with words. Help us to prepare for the birth of our Savior and for that time when he comes again. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Advent. It is a season of preparation. When you think about it, it's about twice as long as the season of Christmas. Does anybody know how long Christmas is? Twelve days. I think you should know that, the twelve days of Christmas, right? But Advent's about four weeks. That tells us how much we should be preparing for the message of the Savior. For the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And God, even at the time of Jesus, began to facilitate a time of preparation. If we read in the Gospel of Luke, we learn about John the Baptist. About six months older than Jesus. A cousin of Jesus. And God uses him begin to prepare people for the Messiah. Already in the Gospel of Luke, we see this, this preparation taking place when Zechariah goes into the temple to serve and he's told that in his old age, he and his wife Elizabeth are going to be parents. And unlike Mary, who said, may it be to me as you have said, Zachariah is a little skeptical. And of course, we know what happens. He's struck dumb and can't speak until the time the child is born. And he writes down on that tablet, his name is John. But we need to fast forward about 30 years or so. Because this season of Advent, this season of preparation is not just about preparing for the birth of Christ. It's about preparing for the message that Christ brings to the world. And so John the Baptist, we read in that second chapter of Luke, is in the wilderness and he's dressed in a very interesting way. He's wearing the same stuff that Elijah, well, not exactly the same stuff, because that would be a few hundred years old and probably not around anymore. But he's dressed like Elijah dressed, in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he's eating that same diet. What do we call this, the Middle Eastern diet? You know, every diet seems to get a name added to it. So it's locust and wild honey. Yum. By the way, next week's fellowship meal... No? No? Okay. 
You want people to come? Okay. It's not locusts and wild honey. If you dip the locusts into the wild honey, that might at least be palatable, right? Okay, we'll find some for you. I won't be here. He draws attention to himself. That's the point. He's out in the wilderness, and and if we read carefully, the very thing that he's doing is he's beginning to call people to repentance for the forgiveness of their sins. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Why does he need to call people to repentance? Because we are sinners. So, one of the things that we need to understand is what does it take to repent? I used this with the kids in chapel this morning. What's the first thing we have to do? Do you remember Ashton? I'm putting him on the spot. What do we have to do? We have to say what? I'm sorry. Does that work like this, Ashton? When we repent, do, do, can you go like this? Can you go, you know, let's say, let's say that it's to your sister. I'm sorry. Does, Dad, does that ever happen? <laughs> what if he says it this way? I'm sorry. No? Ainsley does that. (laughs) In other words, what do we have to do when we say we're sorry? We have to what? We have to mean it. It comes from the heart. And that's what the gospel's all about. That's what this Savior's coming into the world to talk about. It's the stuff from the heart. And so if you caught the text from Isaiah just a little bit ago, what does he say there? Comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended. What warfare? The struggle, the enmity, the strife that we have between ourselves and God and between ourselves and other people. There's a way out of that. And it's through repentance and forgiveness. And it's ours every day in the continual promises of baptism that unfold time and time and time again as we wear that reminder that we are God's children and therefore reflect God's love and grace and mercy. Be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And notice what else he says. That her iniquity, her sin is pardoned, forgiven. And that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. I love that line. God doesn't just give us enough forgiveness that we can just squeak by. God is lavish with his forgiveness. Pouring out his grace in a way that's immeasurable. There's not a sin that we can commit that God cannot forgive through His Son, Jesus Christ, who suffered and died. 
If in your heart and your mind you're thinking, God can't forgive that, then you're buying into the lies of the devil. Because God's grace overflows. It knows no bounds. And so John the Baptist, as he's preaching to God's people out there in the wilderness, this great spectacle that people are coming for miles to see, reminds them of the words of Isaiah. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. You know, this verse seems to fly in the fact of Jesus says that it's a rocky path and a hard path at times. And that's because we, I think, like so many, want to always try to do it our way. We spend our lives thinking, oh, I can get God to do it my way. I'll just pray for this and it'll happen my way. And we struggle. We chafe. And we resist. And we forget that what God is really calling us to do is to surrender. To not always be trying to do it our way, but to do it His way. To embrace those words, Thy will be done. To understand the very path that John is talking about, those words quoted by Isaiah, is the very path that our Savior takes as he's born into this world and as he lives among us and as he walks with a cross at the end of the road. And even our Savior, true God and true man, struggles when he faces that cross. Take this cup from me. Let me paraphrase God's response. No. You're going to go to a cross. You're going to suffer and die for the sins of the whole world. And by so doing, every valley is going to be filled. And every mountain made low. And the highway that opens up salvation to my people is going to be smooth. They're going to receive my comfort. My immeasurable forgiveness. And a redemption that leads them to eternity. That's my will. And the answer of the Son, thy will be done.
because of Christ, we have that comfort of salvation. We don't know what life brings to us today, tomorrow, or next week. But we rest in the comfort of a loving God who sent His Son into this world, who in this season of Advent encourages us to prepare our hearts Take the time to reflect and to repent. Share the message with others. To be the voice of John the Baptist crying in the wilderness of our culture and our society. There is a Savior. His name is Jesus. And He loves me. And He loves you. Find your strength. Your comfort. Surrender your life to him. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all of our human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the true faith of God in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.